When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast. What's going on? My name's Daniel. My name's Carl Anker. Hello, everyone. I'm back. Where you been, man? Working. I've been doing some very interesting things with some very interesting people in football that hopefully will all come together soon. We do this podcast every Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Tactics. If you're listening on an Apple device, subscribe. It's free. It doesn't cost any. Also, leave us a five-star review or read it on the show. We did get two this week. This one is from David A. Kitchen. It says, brilliant. Lots of knowledge and humor. The hosts play off each other well and give really good insights into the game. Double H needs to indict Uncle Moo as manager of the Brick Academy with assistant managers Louis Van Hall and David Moyes. Come on, United. We will get to Mourinho shortly. Um, and this one's from Nigeria. This says, best podcast ever from Abdul. It says, nice to hear a Nigerian. Have hope. Will join us shortly. It's Nigerian Independence Day today, so maybe he's celebrating. Who knows? Shout out to the Nigerians. But yeah, um, let's just jump into it, man. We've have we already have people calling Mourinho Uncle Mu. Carl, you are the resident United fan on this podcast. Your team got slapped three one, a result that exists. I'm sorry. How do you feel, man? How uh, <laughs> bad is the answer? Bad, <laughs> man. This is this is. This is it. This is third season Manchester United. This is third season Mourinho. This is like first of all, credit credit to West Ham for turning it around after the international break. A remarkable turnaround. Basically, used the international break um, blessing in the size in disguise that Jack Wilshere has been injured. They've gone from being possible relegation fodder to to being you know looking likely for a top ten, providing an after which stays fit, which is great. But good grief. Manchester United were terrible. This is Mourinho's fourth different defensive combination in seven games. So he played a 3-5-2, um, which is something that, you know, Man United fans have suggested. I have suggested it in my writing recently that uh, to stop uh, Lukaku from being so isolated, um, Mourinho could pair him with Martial, which is particularly interesting because at the end of the game, Mourinho said, I put Martial up there because you told me to do it. So I felt like, oh, damn. He's firing shots at me. Okay. 
But the interesting thing about the 3-5-2 is he once again played a midfielder there. So in the 3-0 loss against Tottenham Hotspur, he played Andrew Herrera there. And this time he's played his uh, preferred pet project in Scott McTominay. McTominay didn't look particularly good. United were very poor. Their best attacking option was Ashley Young playing at right wing back. It, 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 they look absolutely shorn of confidence, of direction, um, of personal pride. If they are playing to get rid of Mourinho, which many have suggested, that's possibly the only reason I can think of why they're playing this badly. But they were misplacing simple five-yard passes. It may, it may it may be simply you know their confidence is broken after the things Mourinho says. Mourinho this afternoon, so we record this on Monday, said that some players are trying harder than others, and when they asked who, he said he didn't want to he didn't want to name them. We've got this constant feud with Paul Pogba. Uh, players are getting dropped and shuffled around all the time. Dallo is being told he's the fantastic future of Manchester United and then he's being dropped for Ashley Young. Paul Pogba's been stripped to the vice-captaincy now. Apparently, uh, Mourinho's taking shots at people who hang around Paul Pogba. So, Andres Pereira, Fred, and Marcus, Marcus Rashford, Anthony Martial and Eric Bailly. So, basically, Black Chester United. <laughs> have been uh, have been named as, as troublemakers in the squad. It's all looking very, very bad. I don't know what's going to happen next. This is the worst start they've made in Premier League history. This this is tied with the David Moyes year with 10 points from so many games. It's now a serious conversation of will they finish in the top four? Now, if Man United don't finish in the top four, I think that will hasten Mourinho leaving. But uh, the only reason I can think of Mourinho staying is because Ed Woodward, the only man who can fire him, doesn't particularly have a good plan B yet. Um, they're still trying to get this director of football. Something that's particularly interesting is uh, Juventus's chief executive, uh, Marotta, has just left his position, yeah. which is huge. That is huge. Marotta is the guy who, for the last eight years, has taken Juventus from sixth place, Europa League, recovering from Serie B, um, to the, you know, he brought in Pogba, Perlo, and uh, Vidal for 12 million. This, this guy knows his football. He's leaving Juventus because it looks like he's been, he basically doesn't uh, see the direction and Juventus is going now when they're buying very expensive 30-year-olds to try and crack the Champions League. If he can be brought in as a director of football for Manchester United, that could be a fantastic move. But it's all rumours and hearsay right now. And, and I think that's the problem for a lot of Manchester United. Something's got to give and we don't know what happens next. You've been calling for Conte. Do you think that mix could work? Uh, yeah, I mean, they know each other. I think Mara I think Conte by himself would just be another short-term fix. I talk about Conte being good because, we you know, Conte gets a little of a lot defensively. We know he can particularly work with limited wide players. I think Luke Shaw and Dalla or Ashley Young or Damian is, in theory, as good as Victor Moses and Marcus Alonso. Um, I know Conte has worked particularly well with Paul Pogba at Juventus. And I know... Conte wanted Lukaku at mm. Chelsea. So I think, I, you know, as, as a short term, this will sort us out for two more seasons. Fine. But I think there is a chronic institutional problem with Manchester United that have been, that's been there since Alex Ferguson and uh, David Gill left. And I think that's because, one, the Glazers don't particularly care because the money keeps groaning in and the debt keeps accruing. So the Glazers are happy, financially speaking. And Ed Woodward isn't a football man. He's a very successful businessman. And by all accounts, He's doing very well as Manchester United as a business. 
Mm. This is why he's suggesting, oh, I'll get you Varane, I'll get you this, I'll get you this. And, and Mourinho's like, no, I need Harry Maguire. Um, I don't think Harry Maguire was the solution, nor do I think, I think Toby Alderweire was closer to the solution. But yeah, I, I, at this point in time, I do not think Manchester United will finish in the top four. And I don't think Mourinho will last until the end of the season. I think once it becomes um, mathematically impossible to finish in the Champions League, some sort of unspoken clause will kick in and Mourinho will be relieved of duty. Um, I was I was going to say, like, you guys have lost to Derby County on penalties and West Ham <laughs> in a week. I'd like, do you think it's going to be the end of the season or would you think it's going to be sooner rather than later? Like, Because uh, at, th- at this rate, you can't keep this guy, especially if you're having beef in the training ground with Pogba like we saw. I, apparently the lip readers were doing their work last week. It can't go on, man. It just can't. And Conte? <laughs> good luck with that, Carl. Bro, like, Conte, man, he seems like a good idea. But as, as you say, I guess you wouldn't want him as a long-term solution. Obviously, this is a premature transition. But if you look at the football that Conte played compared to the one that Sari played, when we like, this is game seven or eight, I think, of the Premier League so far. And that Chelsea-Liverpool game, game of the season so far, would you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Incredible game of football to watch. And that's what I think United fans want is a team that plays football that way. You're not going to get that from Conte. You're going to get that from a guy like Sarri, from a guy like Klopp, from a guy like Guardiola. But all those players, all those managers are not available right now. So, But there's got to be somebody better than Antonio Conte. Surely. Possibly. But somebody it, it, from it, Germany, it, somebody from Spain, somebody somewhere. There is, there in terms of if... You know, when we're talking about who can replace Mourinho, I'm very much thinking of who can replace Mourinho right now, who is currently unavailable and I can bring in within two or three weeks and can do the basics, which is I need someone to organize the defense. I need someone to placate Paul Pogba so Pogba stays at Manchester United. I need someone to get a greater goal scoring threat than just can Kaku finish one of the three chances we create in a game. Mm. And the person to do that, who's unavailable right now, who is available right now even, is Antonio Conte. There is no manager right now taking a sabbatical who has been recently fired or is chilling out in New York or in Italy that is better at that than Antonio Conte. Quick question. Where where, where does Mourinho go then? If he leaves, if indeed we're correct, and he doesn't have much time left at Old Trafford, where does he go? This like, is it. He's, he's ran out of clubs, I think. P- PSG don't need him. Barcelona might, but probably wouldn't. Real Madrid don't need him again. Inter probably don't need him. This is it. There's... It's over. This is it. Mourinho's, <laughs> Mourinho's time it, it's, at, it's, at it's, the top table is it's, finished. It's it's international management or some surprise that I can't see. Even then, international management, I can't see him go anywhere. He can't easily... Like, uh, people often say he's going to take the Portugal job. Why? Like, they've won the Euros already. There is no personal pride for him to take from winning, the, from winning anything in Portugal. They're not going to win a World Cup. They've already won the Euros, and he's not going to win the Euros. If, if you're Mourinho, you're a man who wins things, and you win at all costs. And the, the Nations League is too young to count as winning a trophy. So I thought he'd take over at Wolves due to Mendes, but Wolves are better than him, frankly. They're beyond him already. <laughs> They're beyond his style of football. I think the next step for Mourinho is possibly taking the smaller international nation route, managing a North African side. Possibly. Wow. So Possibly he's going to become like Harvard not. <laughs> Harvard not. 
Possibly, possibly, possibly to Algeria, to Congo, to Cameroon, possibly managing Angola. Or, you know, if if you offered me, if you gave me a crisp 20 pound note right now and Mm -hmm. said, where will Jose Mourinho be managing this time next year? I'll say he's managing in China. Wow. You know what? Absolutely done at the top table. Pellegrini did that, came back and beat him. So yeah. who knows? Maybe he goes to China. You know what? Nini FC, who, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, shout out to Nini. He was like, you know what? Mourinho probably just needs a break out of football for a year. Kind of kind of like what Guardiola did, just to kind of recharge his batteries, get some new ideas. Maybe not taking a break, but China might be a new adventure. Then he but comes what, back. What, what new ideas does he have to take? So the, the, the thing about taking new ideas only works if you are open to learning and listening about stuff. That's true. And Mourinho isn't. Mourinho will not sacrifice his ego whatever his guiding principles about football are as far as Mourinho is Mourinho is Mourinho and you do not question Mourinho and if you do you're out and it's been like that for the last 15 years yeah man it's trouble I, I don't I don't see a way of him ever changing because he is who he is and you're... he can't help unfortunately unless he gets a very very expensive doctor <laughs> your pink kits look pretty cool though I love the pink kit. I bought, I bought, <laughs> bought two. Um, Wait, but that's enough about Manchester United. West Ham were very good, um, and and it, you know now we know Manchester United won't be tro- won't be uh, in the top four hunt. We can talk about the teams that are in the top four hunt. Yeah, man. So let's 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 get into it. We briefly mentioned it. Um, Chelsea, Liverpool, one one. Like we can just talk about the the brief moments. I mean, Salah had a good chance in the first half that he didn't really take. He had a couple that he that he didn't put away. Um, Hazard goes down the other end. And it was a pretty good team move. I think it was Jorginho to Kovacic. Kovacic puts through Hazard. Hazard beats the most expensive goalkeeper in the world, or the second. I guess Chelsea have the most expensive one now. Um, They're up 1-0. And then Salah goes through. I think he could equalize. Rudiger clears off the line. I think that's how the pattern went. It was a really good first half, really entertaining. I, I enjoyed the game. A lot of people were nervous one way or the other. I was trying to tell people. You don't have, like, a meaningful title game or whatever people are trying to call it, like a championship six points or whatever in September. Like, oh yeah, you do. Absolutely. No, you don't. No, you don't. Yeah, like yeah, you, do. you, you in, in like the first 10, 15 games, I'm of the opinion, like you're learning about your team. Obviously you can like lose a bunch of games a la Manchester United and probably get yourself out of it. When two of the top four, five teams play, I don't think it's like, Oh, this is, for the title. I just think it's like you're learning about your squad, you're learning how good you are, and then you can build on that. I don't think you're going for the title this season. I agree, but like other people were saying, oh, this is Chelsea trying to prove if they can be in the title. I'm like, no. no. This, much like Arsenal versus Man City, much like Arsenal versus Chelsea, was a test of your top four credentials. Like, you are one of the top five, six clubs in this country. Right. Um, How close are you to the top four? Um, And I think... We now know. I think we now know that Manchester City is the best club in England. Liverpool are not far off that. Chelsea are not far off that. Tottenham Hotspur probably not far off that. And then you've got a fight between. No, I, I think I should be. I think I should be brutal about this. I say the top three sides in England right now are City, Liverpool, and Chelsea. And then you've got a fight between Spurs, Arsenal, and Manchester United for the rest. And I think the fight is being somewhat more won by Tottenham Hotspur right now. Arsenal have yeah. won seven in a row, by the way. They have. They've won seven in a row. They're beginning to figure out. They still look not quite there, but they have, um, in Lacazette and in uh, Ob- Oba, they've got a punch's chance. I'm not <laughs> going to be able to say that. Why can't you pronounce his name? Not, it's, 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. Obomi Yang, I think. Obomi Yang. Obomi. Um, they're going to have a punch's chance. I, you know, right now, I think your top four will be City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal, United. That's if United are sorted out. It could very much be Wolves ahead of United. Oh, boy. But yeah. yeah. Um, se- so, se- second half. What happened in the second half, man? Liverpool had so many chances. Like, I, I think on balance of play, they probably should have won. Because they had way more chances than we did. I think that you're doing a disservice to your own defence. Like, that was the best game I've seen of David Luiz in a back four in a long time. Yeah, great talk about Sarri and what he's doing to midfield and how he's um, unleashing Eden Hazard. But what he's done to that back four, when you think about how David Luiz was persona non grata in the final season at under Conte, mm-hmm. how he is still thought of by many people in world football as being this PlayStation player who doesn't understand what he's doing. Um, he was good. He was good on Saturday. And long may it continue. I, I like David Luiz. I think he's a wonderful I do too. I do too. I think he's a wonderful person in football. And I think at Chelsea where David Luiz is happy and is playing frequent games is, is a nicer Chelsea to watch. Do you know what I think that was smart of that, that what Sarri did? Like uh, when, when he first got there, People were like, oh, you shouldn't play Alonso left back. You shouldn't play David Luiz in a centre-back partnership. But he stuck with it. I, I think his philosophy was, I need to pick a four and just stick with them. Just let Absolutely. them glue. And that was super smart because we just talked about Mourinho trying all these different combinations, putting Scott McTominay in a, in a back three, just kind of messing with the chemistry of that four. Sorry, has been smart and just, I'm going to play these four. I'm going to let them gel. And if they gel, they gel. If they don't, then I can make changes around that. And they haven't really messed up so far, so they've had good continuity. And I think the you're only, starting to see the fruits of, of his persistence with that back four. The only club that can really get away with having different back fours and, and chopping changing is Pep Guardiola. And I think that's because it says a lot about the strength of Pep Guardiola's coaching, that like he can move John Stones in and out, move in Laporte in and out. And, and you know, Vincent Company is always going to have asterisks around his fitness. But it takes so much time and effort to coach a back foot. Um, I think I've been on this podcast before talking about Jerome Boateng and how he didn't realise how much work was involved in, in organising a back four until after he won, won the World Cup in 2014. Yeah, you can get a long way without proper coaching, but the moment one of those constants is removed, you're in a lot of trouble. Mm. Um, and this is one thing that, you know, not to belabor the point, this is one thing that worries me about Mourinho. This Mourinho used to be the guy who I'll buy the expensive number 10 to sort out my attack, but I will coach that defense. And it looked as if he couldn't figure out who his defense was, seemed as if he'd settled on Victor Lindelof and Chris Smalling. And now he's tweaked it again. Uh, Eric Bailly, you know, the guy he bought for 30 million and who by most accounts is the best, most talented center back in the club, is now frozen out due to... Uh, questions over his fitness and approach and professionalism and his proximity to Black Chester United. It's worrying. It's, it's worrying. It's worrying about, uh, you know, how Mourinho's losing his bread and butter. And uh, it's, it's really nice to see how Chelsea's sorting out and also how Arsenal seem to be figuring out their back four as well. Quite often, the interesting thing about a lot of these defensive partnerships is quite often how it takes um, an injury to make the hard decisions. I think an interesting one as well now with Arsenal is that Petr Cech's gone down. I think that's going to give Leno a, a, a run of games and that, that could possibly spell the end of Petr Cech as the starting 
goalkeeper for Arsenal. That could possibly be the end of Petr Cech at Arsenal as well because he's playing for a, a new contract. Um, Everton are having an interesting one as well. They've, you know, they've got a 3-0 victory against Fulham. That's their first clean sheet all season. They're betting in their centre-backs. Yeri Mina is still yet to start. They're, they've got all these you know, would-be Barcelona players that didn't quite make it. I've come there and now Marcus Silva has to bet them in. Mm. Uh, to your point about how it can be too early to to know if it's a title game yet, I think after 10 games, you should know who your starting back five are and the clubs that don't are going to be the clubs that suffer. We have to talk about the Sturridge goal. I mean, Hazard <laughs> had a good chance that Conte put him through. Then Shakiri had a great chance that he missed. And I think everybody just kind of accepted that it was going to be 1-1. And then the, the luxury that Klopp has to bring on someone like Sturridge, whereas, like, we have to bring on – we start – we bring on Morata. It's like, we're not going to score a goal. Klopp's like, hey, yo, Daniel, just come here. He puts him <laughs> on the pitch, and I kind of was expecting him to shoot, but I was like, he's not going to make it, is he? And then it just flies, it arrows into that right-hand corner. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. We sold him for 12 mil, which I think was a conspiracy, okay? Because Benitez <laughs> – because – no, 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 no. Benitez was in charge at the time. And he didn't play Sturridge, Benitez's former Liverpool manager, obviously. Then January comes around and it's 12 mil to live. Like, I'm still salty about that because was he's a really, he really talented footballer when he's In his last year of contract? I don't remember. I'm, I'm just salty that he went to Liverpool. But it is what it is, man. That was a fantastic goal. And I'm happy for him. I know he scored against my club. But Daniel Sturridge being fit, happy, playing well, it makes me happy in a way. Oh, yeah. And, it, it you know, I've, I've spoken on this podcast before about how I want him to go to PSG. And that it looked to be the end of him in England. And that spell where he was at West Brom at the end of last season, where he was trying to get into England squad, looked, looked really sad. The joke was Harry Kane, Space Jam, Daniel Sturridge's talent. <laughs> um, but, you know, he's, he seems to have bought into the Klopp method. And he will never be the perfect fit. He will never be the Firmino, amazing, tireless false nine. But Sturridge now seems to have accepted this is the best place for him. You know, Liverpool's the best place, being part of that product's the best place. And if Sturridge can do the Sturridge things, he does. The Ridge. Boom. Something you should be annoyed about, Daniel, is the fact that you replaced Daniel Sturridge with Demba Ba. I actually like Demba Ba because that Demba Ba gave us the Slippy G moment. <laughs> so, no, I, you know, of, of all the footballers that have come and gone through Chelsea, like, Demba Ba is probably one of my favorites. Like him, Loic Remy, all those guys. Like, I, I have a soft spot. Like Remy, still. No, he's 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 been so, but I have a soft spot for like Chelsea's third strikers because they normally get a bad deal. You know, Sturridge reminds me a little bit of Batshuayi in a way. Just natural goal scorers who are never going to find their way at Chelsea. They're going to go to some other club and just bang goals for fun. I guess we could talk to Half Hope. Half Hope, what did you think about Chelsea one Liverpool uh, one? Um, I think that as much as Pep doesn't like the matchup with Klopp, I don't think Klopp likes the matchup with with Sarri. I think tactically. Sarri's tactic just seems to be getting the better of Klopp. So Chelsea should have won the game. Like Hazard should have got in that second goal. But again, storage man, he's better than Harry Harry Kane. <laughs> you know, he's 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 the better player. Just like if he was injury free, he definitely should have been. He should have been England's main main striker. But yeah, that goal was insane. Mm. That was an insane goal. He's just one of those players that, like, if he never got injured, what could he have been? I think we know what Daniel Sturridge would have been. I think we we know what he would have been, and we know what he can do. I think Daniel Sturridge is a electrifying goal scorer, but he's playing at a team where that's not enough. <laughs> Liverpool are boiled. Um, so, 
Arsenal, again, have won seven games in a row. They beat Watford. Do we have any comments on Arsenal's resurgence? Is it more a case like you get those two hard games out of the way and then you kind of just ease into the, the next seven easy ones? I don't think they play anyone hard until next month, like it's Liverpool, a, I think. so. It's a good fixture list. They're, they're beginning to sort out um, their embarrassment of riches up front. You know, they've now figured out that Torreira should start every single game. Great player. Yeah, hopefully, you know, as I mentioned, hopefully the Petacek injury will mean Leno will be their number one goalkeeper going forward. The, the interesting thing about Arsenal this week is that Aaron Ramsey's leaving. So Aaron Ramsey rejected the new contract that was offered to him. I believe, well, sources close to the club tell me that it's... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to use this statement now. Sources close to the club tell me it's because Ramsey believes you should be on equal wage bill to Meza Ozil. He's going to move, he's either going to be sold in January or he will move for free next year. He's already being linked to clubs in Italy and Germany. I think there's been possible rumours of him joining up with Manchester United. He'll be what? good. Yeah, United. why not? <laughs> Arsenal player going to Manchester United for cheap. Uh, when has that happened? You know. Wait, 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 wait. So we just briefly. So did did you? So is Mourinho to blame then? Because I missed the United segment. Did you both? Did you guys say Mourinho was to blame? For yeah. all that's happening. I mean, it's 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 a combination between Mourinho and just the way the clubs run. And the players have to shoulder some of the blame. Look, just sack the dude. It's as simple as that. <laughs> if he's if he's doing badly, sack him. If, yeah. if, if he's there, it's still going to happen. So you people say, oh my gosh, Mourinho is this. F Mourinho. He is what he is. He is what he is. So if, if it's not working, sack the dude. And then get so, someone else. Basically, United are no longer relevant as a football club. Business-wise, they are. <laughs> But as a, as he's a not, he's club, not, he's not, not, not really relevant anymore. So. is absolutely correct. Manchester United are not a serious football club. Um, in our recommended reads this week, you should read Andy Thomas for SB Nation, basically going Manchester United are not a serious football club. They should not. We, you know, we said it's not a top six; it's a top five plus Arsenal. I'm going to say it's not a top six; it's a top four plus Manchester United and Arsenal. It, it's Eesh. that bad right now. Okay, so let's just round this out so we can go to Europe quickly. Um, did he beat Brighton? <laughs> Raheem Sterling, fantastic. Raheem Sterling's only being chosen by 4% of fantasy football players, which begs the question, is that because of Pep's rotation or is that because of media nonsense around Raheem Sterling? I think it's rotation. Like, you you, you don't know who he's going to play from week to week, so it's hard to put him in your team, but 4% does seem kind of low. It's very low considering how many points he's got. Right. Um, uh, Tottenham beat Huddersfield 2-0. Harry Kane back among the goals. Um, so you're premature, like he's had his Rooney Bayern moment. Are you still sticking to that? I'm so I'm I'm worried about it. I, I love to be proved wrong. Kane seems to be enjoying playing up front with Lucas Moura. Moura is is doing a lot more of the running and harrying that Kane did a season ago and a season before that. Although, you know, one of the goals he scored was a penalty. So there you have it. If Harry Kane wants to be taken seriously, he needs to leave Tottenham and go to a bigger club because you can't keep hiding behind, hey man, at least I got the golden boots, grow some balls and actually try and move to a team where you can win titles. Because my fear about Harry Kane is that amazing goal scorer, superb goal scorer, he's just happy winning golden boots and that's it. But if you're just happy winning golden boots, I don't really want to take that next step and really go out of of your comfort zone and go to a club where more is expected of you, where you're playing much more bigger games and the games where you really have to really make an impact, then I'm sorry, I can't take you seriously as a a top player. I can't. So, Farrakhan, man, either move or win Tottenham a title. 
All right, so Carl, I'm I'm gonna let you pick out maybe one or two other league games, seeing as I I know you you get on me for being like an elitist. So like, what other Premier League games stood out to you this week? Um, Leicester City seems to be turning around. I, I do worry that they need to get rid of Wes Morgan as their starting centre back, but he's their captain. Uh, they'll they'll be one of the best of the rest. Newcastle are looking doomed, and <laughs> it's really sad because it's it's on it's an unhappy marriage. Rafa Benitez is going to be out of contract soon and he is well within his rights to leave. He doesn't want to leave yet. Mike Ashley, now having seen Newcastle be relegated twice, I don't think he particularly cares too much about Newcastle getting relegated because he knows they can recover. He doesn't want to sell out for less than, he doesn't want to sell the club for less than his asking price. So that, that's all that. Wolverhampton Wanderers beat Southampton 2 0 in what was a strangely perfunctory victory. It was like, oh, yeah, okay. If I if I showed you that game and went which of these teams got recently got promoted last season, you'd have picked out Southampton. So that was all the Saturday fixtures, and then Cardiff one, Burnley two. Cardiff are going to get relegated. They're finishing twentieth. I think the relegation candidates right now are Cardiff twentieth, Huddersfield nineteenth, and eighteenth will be Newcastle. Um, okay, so let's go around Europe quickly. Have hope. Let's start out in Spain. There was a Madrid derby, nil nil. What did you see? Have hope. Real Madrid miss Cristiano. And, but they don't miss Cristiano at, at the same time. So you could tell that they miss his goals because Real should have won the game. They had two really great opportunities against a very good defensive side. And maybe if that ball falls to Cristiano, he scores. But I think beyond that, it just shows you that, do you know how mad it is to go into a new season? You sold Cristiano and you didn't get a replacement. You didn't get Hazard, Mbappe or so forth. So it just shows that as good as this team looks, and they do look really good and play some very good football under Loptigi, without another superstar to complement beast mode, it's going to be a struggle for those boys. And obviously you had Barcelona again, where Messi is having to do too much, um, drawing against one against Athletic Bilbao. Mm. So Valverde, he didn't start with Messi. So he wanted to rest him because he because they played against like, like Leganes in midweek. Leganes are bottom, by the way. So... That's a good point. Like, didn't Real Madrid lost to Sevilla 3-0 in midweek, no? Yeah. So they've dropped five points in two games. But they're still on like, Them and Barcelona are on level points. Barcelona did the same as well. That's interesting. Yeah. I, was, I was trying to think. There was a big chance I wanted to talk about in the derby. Was it Griezmann who had the chance to put Atletico one up? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Griezmann, he, should, he probably should have scored. Apparently, Diego Costa hasn't scored in his last 16 league games. Surely that can't be a correct stat. Well... The thing about Diego Costa is he doesn't need to, does he? When an Atletico work well, it's not so much him just scoring goals, but it's the fact he just beats everyone up. It's slightly ironic because a lot of Chelsea fans want Diego Costa back, <laughs> pri- primarily because Giroud and Morata aren't scoring goals. They scored five goals combined in the last 34 league appearances. It's not good. But if Diego Costa has a score to 16, then he's just as bad or just as good. I don't know how to phrase it. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's that's Spain. Is there any other team that we should look at in Spain? No, not really. All right. Valencia won. Michi didn't score. You, um, that's their first win of the season for Valencia. So, just in time for Manchester United. Shout out Gomero. Shout out Gomero. Uh, PSG won. Neymar, he actually looked good. I don't know if you guys watched the game. They played Nice. Um, Alan St. Maximin. Boy, this Nice kid, he's a really good player. Like, if you're on FIFA or something, something like that, you should buy him. He's really good. Um, but, yeah, PSG won 3-0. Good game. Neymar played well. Mbappe played well. Watching PSG is just fun. I don't know if you guys watch PSG 
as as, yeah. as much as I do, but it's it's, it's fun. It, the gap in quality between PSG and the side they play against does allow uh, a, 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 a nice amount of showboating. One player I'm particularly enjoying watching is uh, Thomas Munier. He played as a striker in the Belgian seventh division. So he came up wow. through, he got cut from standard Liège, I believe, when he was a teenager, um, became a postman, worked in a car factory, and then was playing part-time as a striker. How old is he then? He's 20, he's 27. He played as a striker and he scored some, he scored some really ridiculous goals in the low leagues of Belgian football. If you ever want to, just a quick 30 seconds, just check out some of his goal compilations. They're quite fun. You know, obviously he gets a bit older, plays in his true position, which is a fullback. But because PSG are so far ahead of so many of the um, other French sides, Mounier is getting back in touch with his striking instinct and is putting together some really interesting goals and assists. So, yeah, he's, he's a player I'm enjoying watching again. I'm going to have to check out a comp. Uh, so, let's go to Bundesliga before we go to Serie A. Do you guys know that Bayern aren't winning the, the Bundesliga as we talk right now? That Dortmund are ahead of Bayern Munich right now? Obviously, it's not going to last. They are. It's, it's, it, they're being fueled by... Um, Jaden Sancho. Jaden Sancho, who's, who's got <laughs> five assists. He's, well, no, he's got the most assists of the top in the top five leagues right now, and he hasn't started the game yet. He got two in the four-two Dortmund victory over Bayern Leverkusen. So Dortmund are doing good. Uh, interesting about Bayern Munich is Renato Sanchez seems to be figuring it out. But they yeah. they took an L. They did against Berlin. Shout out to Solomon Kalou, by the way. I see you out there winning penalties with the pre-assists. <laughs> I see you, Solomon Kalou, another one of my favorite Chelsea third strikers. I love Solomon Kalou, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. Schalke have lost five times. Shit. Schalke are a law unto themselves. There's, yeah, there's, 17th. I've never, ever seen a club let so many, just waste millions by letting players run down their contracts. It's unprecedented how Schalke let players run down their contracts. Now, as in like the way top four last, I mean, you know, Schalke, like Schalke had, what's it called? Schalke had, I think they had Ozil. I'm not sure. They had Neuer. They they basically they had a lot of they had Draxler they had Sane they've had Goretzka who they let go free I guess is what Carl's maybe alluding to um, but but the thing that they got top four last season so got to go from top four and to lose five out of six games that's a drop man um so Serie A there was one big game this week uh, Juventus played Napoli Napoli went up one zero uh, in Turin I think it was Martins who got that goal and then Juventus scored three so yes. Mario Mandzukic. Scored a brace and then uh, centre back Bonucci scored the third goal, which is a great way for him to win back the Juventus fans who don't didn't really forgive him for going to AC Milan. Interesting thing there is that talk has already begun of Juventus not only going the season unbeaten but winning every single game. They're seven and zero, and fans are going, "We can win every single game." Conte won, went unbeaten, but winning every single game is unprecedented. Allegri stressed how hard this victory over Napoli was. Um, I don't think any football team will win 38 games and go on being... No, I think, you know, you That's to, impossible. You have, to, you have to lose at least two. Um, <laughs> Draw at least. Like, win every game. Yeah. Uh, R- R- Ronaldo has these fans gas. He's not even scoring goals. I mean, jeez. Yeah. But yeah, okay. <clears throat> now, boys and girls, the tagline for this podcast is, you know, sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Uh, this is the serious part. There was a situation that happened last week. A report came out about Ronaldo. Apparently, the uh, German newspaper Der Spiegel 
came out last year and there was a report, but there wasn't a name attached to the report. And Thursday or Friday, um, a name was attached to the report, Mayorga. I hope hopefully I'm pronouncing her name correctly. And in it, it details an alleged sexual assault that involves Cristiano Ronaldo. In the document, it says that repeated times the woman told him to stop and he didn't. In Despigo's report, it says that Ronaldo or Ronaldo's camp paid Mayorga $375,000 or £290 sterling. It's really not a good look for Ronaldo. Um, she's seeking to avoid the, the terms of the non-disclosure agreement. We can't speak about the situation too much given the kind of rules of international law, especially ones in the UK are particularly strict about libel and slander and things like that. So we can't go super in depth until much more information comes out. That being said, with the information that we do have, this should probably be one of the biggest stories, I think, in sports, given it's about, short of Michael Jordan, the biggest brand in sports, I think. The reason we are being particularly careful with this story and the reason why this story has yet to receive the traction you may see in your English language media outlet is not because this is a story lacking in seriousness, one that can be dismissed, but it's because of the very, very real differences in libel and legal laws in the United Kingdom and Ireland as compared to the rest of the world. Um, as Daniel said, at time of rain, the story in question has only been reported in the German magazine in question and in one outlet, two outlets in the United States. If you're wondering why certain journalists on the internet or certain media outlets are not reporting this. This is not because this situation is not serious, but it's because there are some very, very delicate conversations being had with our media lawyers. This is the there biggest story in, in football right now. Please do not dismiss it. I mean, surely we can give our opinion based on I me. Mean, so, so you can't give an opinion nope. as an individual. Nope. Oh, okay, okay. So, okay. So we can't speak on it based on. Hope you can't speak on this. You are incredibly liable to legal damages trying to protect you so yeah there you have it nobody's asked us a question on that which i think is particularly telling think about it. like no one has been like what do you guys think about X situation interesting um okay we'll jump into questions has the polish nuke been dethroned from ebony f prince is christoph playtech the real deal with eight goals in six Serie A games the polish nuke for those who don't know have hope is Lewandowski. Has he been dethroned? Possibly, yeah, because he's not really been relevant for maybe like the, the past year or so. Because he's just not been as lethal as he once was maybe like one, two, three years ago. Carl and I answered this question at the beginning, so I'll give this one to you, Hope. How long will it be until Man United free Mourinho, meaning sack him from Majan Kuhn? Before Christmas. I thought there was another United one. Uh, Mason Boris asks, who's in the right, Pogba or Mourinho? Is there a right? No. The board believed they could not truly back Mourinho and finish in the top four. That has proved not the case. Mourinho has then taken that half-backing to brutalise his squad. Paul Pogba has responded to that poorly and now is performing below his um, potential. It, uh, it's a situation of shit rolling downhill. <laughs> um, are Barcelona still showing signs of messy dependence as we saw last season? Yeah, from the only taps. They didn't start him. They were down 1-0. He comes in the game, he gets an assist. So, Messi dependent. I'm interested in, in Barcelona this season because even though they are favourites for La Liga and they will most likely win La Liga, mm -hmm. that is not their concern whatsoever. 
they won the, they won the Champions League. Messi in a preseason uh, tournament basically went to Barcelona diehards and went, you know, we've had two very unsatisfactory knockouts. Three, really. Three very unsatisfactory um, exits from the Champions League. And we want to rectify that. Uh, Messi's basically gone, I'm going to win you one more Champions League. What's particularly interesting about that is once he said it, you could feel the entire Barcelona squad go, why do you say that? <laughs> uh, because, you know, the, this is this is Messi now with the knowledge that he will probably never win a World Cup. The only way this guy is going to secure his legacy now is just by racking up as many Champions Leagues as possible. Which they means, play Tottenham this week, right? They do, which means he needs to start winning Champions Leagues. And what do you guys think about that game? I think we already had like Harry Kane is it as good as Daniel Sturridge and Barcelona are Messi dependent. So what do we think about those two things kind of combining them together? Like Barcelona will, play Tottenham, what happens? This will be a Barcelona cakewalk. No, not necessarily. I don't think so. Like, like based on the Barcelona that I've been watching, it's away from home. Barcelona don't have a good record in London. And I don't know um, um, out for seven months. Is well, did, 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 did you just say Barcelona don't have a good record in London? Have you forgot that they play Arsenal, like, a bunch and won yeah. a bunch? They play Arsenal. They play Chelsea. They're also Only Chelsea. Only Chelsea, really. They're crucially playing not in London, they're playing in Wembley, which is one of Messi's favorite stadiums. To and play. didn't they win in London last year, or was it a draw? Like William hit the post a bunch. It was a draw. It must have it been because Messi, Messi scored. So I don't know about that whole they don't play well in London thing. No rebuttal. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> he's been refuted. <laughs> and there was another. There's another big game. Who did Liverpool play? They play Napoli. Liverpool's schedule, like Chelsea, Chelsea, Napoli. I think they play City on the weekend. Not easy. Liverpool will get there. They'll, they'll get this one. Na- Napoli, Napoli aren't as good as what they used to be. And the loss of Jorginho will mean a lot. And Ancelotti is uh, not a good, not as good a manager as Jurgen Klopp. Is that a fact? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, do, I don't know whether I can, I can co-sign that, man. I don't know if I can co-sign that one either, Carl. We're looking at careers, like it's not even close. I, I know I know we, there is more to football than what medals you win. But uh, Ancelotti's trophy cabinet. Ancelotti like is probably top ten all time if you look at just trophy cabinets. He's got three league titles in the last decade. One of them is and also two Champions League titles as well. Should have been three. Should have been three. Two 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 Champions Leagues and three league league titles in the last decade. One of those league titles is with PSG at, in France. He's won the league in Italy, in France, in England. And but in the in the same way that Mourinho's only not only won two league titles in the last decade and now looks like he's on his way out and is no longer one of the best managers in the world, I think you can say something similar of Ancelotti. Um, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. But he what has Klopp won in the last three years though? Nothing. Oh, is Klopp well, Trump, well, is at Liverpool? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Why does the, it feel like they've won a trophy somehow? Because they played. Because they they played in two finals, three finals. They played in Europe yeah, League final, finals. lost that one. Champions League final, lost that one. They won a trophy, League Cup final, though. lost that one as well. The, the way Liverpool um, fans talk, you think they won like three trebles consecutively or something like that? They've won no trophies. No trophies. Hope your question was Klopp won in the last three years. I think the key question isn't what's Klopp won in the next in the last three years, but. What will Klopp win in the next three years? I think if you went, you, you know, for the next three years, you want Jurgen Klopp or do you want Ancelotti? I think most people say Jurgen Klopp. And for that reason, I will say Jurgen Klopp is the better manager. 
that's fair. Um, talk about how Inter gonna top the group from Sabion the Great. That's not going to happen. <laughs> they got a good start, you, but you like, know, like for me, I told you, based on Barcelona that I've been seeing, let's just see where Barcelona should top the group. But an argument, basically, it shouldn't be be laughed at. Inter topping the, the group, it shouldn't be, be laughed at. Barcelona okay. lost to Le- Leganes. Leganes are bottom of the league. <laughs> they lost to Leganes, so. <laughs> You know, Laganas doesn't sound as bad as Elche or Granada or like those other nah, ones. Nah, right. yeah, sounds like a type of lasagna. I'm sorry. So, two more questions and we'll get out of here. Um, out of all the players who play on a consistent basis on high profile teams, who are the worst footballers? This is a terrible question, and I want you to know that. <laughs> from Shady McGrady. I thought it was a fun one because the easy answer is like people like Fellaini or. Was well, fine for what he does? Like, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Flinny is trash. He's trash. Wait, <laughs> what is it? So, the this is a question I, for half of basically who, who, are, who are the constant bricks on the best teams? Oh man, that, that's a great one. Um, at the moment, right now, Suarez for Barcelona, you're looking at Morata for Chelsea. Um, only one on Chelsea. Go ahead. Where's Bakayoko right now? Milan. You know what? High-profile team counts as Milan, so maybe we could say Bakayoko. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Bakayoko, you could ask. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Good Abate. news Bakayoko has defects. <laughs> don't don't read that out loud. Oh, buddy. That's me. I mean, I mean like, uh, I'll So you ain't got to do my dad. <laughs> Abate for East Milan, Morata for, for Chelsea. Alexander Arnold is sort of getting towards that area right Ooh, now. Easy, Ooh. easy, easy, easy. Hen- no, Henderson, Henderson, Henderson for Liverpool. Yes, Henderson. He's a brick. He's a brick. This is very reckless. This is very reckless. Alexander Arnold, man, he's good. He sometimes is getting near that brick thing, but he sort of walks away from 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 the from the ledge. I think but like Henderson had just jumped headfirst over the ledge. Did you see how Hazard triggered him in the in the week? No. <laughs> It's like, see, see, this is the issue with the English players. Again, I think for a lot of English guys, this is what they need to learn is that you can't be too much of a hothead. And in England, there's too much focus on like, yeah, passion, passion, get stuck in. Rather, no, be composed, be sensible, and play the game pro- properly. Henderson is, for the lack of a better term, like a typically English kind of player. Whereas like almost you look at a guy like a Joe Cole who was shunned by England, he could have been a world class player. Joe Cole was not never going to be that guy. Joe Cole, the the thing about Joe Cole you need to understand is Joe Cole learned how to play football by watching a skills VHS tape of the Brazil World Cup sides. Okay. So Joe Cole, when Joe Cole got to youth football, they went, went, why don't you know how to spot a pass? Why don't you know how to tackle? Why don't you know how to do basic stuff? Because he, he didn't learn from playing football games. He learned from practicing in his living room, which is why he could do the flicks and tricks. Why are you hating on J. Cole, bro? Oh. That, that's, that's, why, that's why he can do the flicks and tricks in schools that Hope loves from his football. But he was, you know, Cole was never going to offer you the sort of performances that... Gerard and Lampard gave you. <laughs> Those World Cup bombs. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, okay, so do you guys have any other topics you want to hit? Very briefly. How okay. did Shevchenko miss that chance in the Champions League final? That you know, you know, that still doesn't make any sense. It was just Liverpool's time. He shot it straight at Dudek and the ball went up and over. <laughs> it was Liverpool's that, time. That, that makes no sense. 
<laughs> sometimes it's not your time. Sometimes Why are we talking? Okay, okay. Which which is the more weird Champions League win? Liverpool or Chelsea? Chelsea. Chelsea. You really? You guys think Chelsea's more weird than the Liverpool one? Chelsea's weird. Liverpool's won. Liverpool should have like Liverpool were the better side. No, they well, were no, that's nonsense. No, 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 no. Let me say that again. Have you Liverpool seen AC Milan starting a lot for that game? That season, Liverpool were actually good. Chelsea were not good at that season. They were, they were not yeah. a good team. Chelsea, Chelsea were good because they wanted to win Champions League, though. So, like, it's... That's nonsense. They were still bad in the Champions League. We were sixth. Bayern outplayed the living hell out of them in that whole match. Hence why uh, it was it was magic. <laughs> I always just felt like that, that Istanbul comeback was just like... It outweighed everything that kind of Chelsea did if we want to compare the two. But Liverpool Liverpool was a miracle, and then Chelsea banged Juju. So, yeah, a miracle versus witchcraft. Okay. Carl, your recommended reads? <laughs> recommended reads. Hello, they're back. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't been reading as much as I used to. I'm the Manchester United correspondent for The Athletic now. Um, so if you have a Athletic subscription, you can find me talking about all manner of things United. Something that will go out either today or tomorrow will be a quick look at what on earth is Scott McTominay. They're giving you great stuff to write about. You have to admit. I write it. I dictate what I'm writing about. No, no, I, no, I mean like Manchester United, the football club. This situation, this season, oh, it's yeah. a great season to be following Manchester United. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. I, <laughs> I, every time they lose, I'm like, no, wait a minute. <laughs> content, content, all about the content. Um, so check check out my writing there. I've also got the series Naughty Boys on BBC. That was dope. That was dope. BBC man. Three now. Was dope. So that is the the cool concept. There is it's been a decade of Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi winning Ballon d'Ors. And we want to look to the players before that era. And the idea is to explain to you why those players are fantastic. Naughty Boys returns um, this week. It should have an article from Tom Victor, friend of the podcast. And I believe he'll be writing about a certain Eastern European legend from Serie A and why he was fantastic. So I'll leave you to figure that one out. Um, Another one I recommend to you is ESPN, just talking about Gianfranco Zola returning to Chelsea. And what he's offering uh, Sari and, and Chelsea now he's come back and how he's basically helping Sari understand the local sights and sounds and smells of Premier League and Chelsea Football Club. And what, what it's like having the loveliest man in Zola be back. Um, versus a website I've written for in the past, uh, have an article from August, which was basically about how this season Daniel Sturridge is going to return and dominate the culture which I think after Sturridge's great goal, you should all check out. And the final one is just the interview with Peter Crouch, which is, uh, Peter Crouch has his new autobiography out, which is really good. Really good. It's got some really funny anecdotes, uh, great insights into some of his moves, um, his marriage to Abby Clancy and her uh, frustrations at having to leave London when he went from Tottenham Hotspur to Portsmouth. Uh, and there's a this is a really good in, interview in the Guardian about it. So I recommend you check all those out. I also recommend if you are not au fait with the new situation involving a certain Juventus forward, I recommend you read the articles that are being published by uh, the Wall Street Journal and Deadspin in mm. a slightly more serious note. Yeah. Um. Just quickly on last week's episode, um, friend of the show Paul texted me a whole bunch of letters that meant nothing, but basically that he was flabbergasted. And I have to ask this question, have hope. Oh, God. Have you reconsidered your stance that Marcelo is a better footballer than Pele? Uh, I, 
Not a footballer, he said. Mm. No, come no, on, not no. you too. I will, I will double down. Pele is more effective. Marcelo <laughs> is the better for, for footballer. <laughs> you're going to kill me. So, Pele is greater. Marcelo uh, is the better for footballer. Jesus Christ. Guys, don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype. Paul, Paul and I figured you would do this if I asked the question. Like, he's just going to double down. <laughs> like the, the the question was, are there any top twenty five footballers currently playing right now? And we came up with Messi, Ronaldo, and I, ne- I never said and Neuer. Yeah, no, I never said Cristiano. So. Uh, I'd I, say, I did, but I'd say right now, Messi, Ronaldo, Buffon, Busquets. I forgot Buffon was playing. You know, Busquets. Um, Busquets is one of the greatest uh, defensive midfielders. No, no, brother, this is all time, all the time. Oh yeah, you whoa, whoa! You complain about Busquets, but you won't complain. But you think Marcelo Busquets of all I, time? I, I, I would of all time. Like yeah, since the beginning something. of football, of all that's crazy. Busquets, Busquets, Busquets. No, come on, no, come on. Marcelo is top twenty-five all time. Like that's like I, that's I, I wouldn't have Marcelo. I would have Dani Alves. I think Dani Alves has a slightly stronger body of work. Having um, gone to Juventus and, and got the Champions League finals there, do you, do you have do you, doing... do you have Alves over Lam? No, I would not. So, so if, if so, so both if, of those if, are in top twenty-five. If, if it has to, if it has to be a right back, I'd probably take Lam and put Alves in the top fifty instead. No, Lam is the best right right back of all time. He's the best right back um, of all time. Peace. It's, it's a compelling argument. I, I'd say it, it's Lam from the top of my head. I'm going Lam, Cafu, Danny Alves. It calls into question athleticism, right? Um, we so we we had a recent interesting conversation in, uh, in the Players Tribune about how you could take any player in a top twenty side right now, stick them in a time machine, put them in the nineteen seventies, and the best player in the world purely because they can run faster. You can put well, the idea is because they can run faster, they would be like one of the best players in the world. You can take um, like take Naby Keita. Naby Keita is a superb midfielder. He's a fantastic number eight. He can get up and down the pitch. He can destroy. He can create. He can shoot. He can tackle. If you put Naby Keita in Chelsea 1997, they could probably win that Premier League purely because of what Naby Keita could do and how he could unlock sides. And also Naby Keita's awareness and technical awareness and what he can give to the side in, in terms of if he moves here you can do this and do this and do this and do this um it's like how every modern day ufc fighter could destroy every previous ufc fight from 50 pay-per-views ago comparing players from different eras is is a few hour task because ultimately once you go back past a certain point in time they're playing a different sport you should not compare any football player now to any football player before 1991 because the back pass rule changed everything Again, we, we, we need to do an episode like the definitive talking tactics of ranking. Of it like, won't be definitive. We'll just be yelling for three No, but it will, be, it will be definitive as in the last time we discussed it. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think it'll be the last time we discussed it. But... There's so many questions. But I'm, I'm, there's no way Marcelo's a better footballer than Pelé. But we'll leave it there, okay? Uh, so this has been the Talking Tactics Podcast. We do this every Tuesday. I'm at Daniel to look. Carl, where can the people find you? And Command 616. Double H, where can the people find you? Uh, at Half Pot. You know, all the all the links will be in the description. We're at Talking Tactics um, on Instagram, Facebook. Follow us on SoundCloud if you would. Leave some five star reviews on iTunes. We'll read them on the show next week. Talking Tactics podcast, sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Oh, it's a wall. <laughs> See you guys next week. Peace. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Sports Social Podcast Network.